Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. On behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors and everybody that's set up for you today, we're so glad that you're here with us today. Welcome. And if you are a guest with us for the very first time, we're honored that you are here. You are our honored guest. And so we invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Here's why I know is that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So we highly encourage you to come back, check it out. Hopefully this will be your spiritual family. That's kind of our goal. Also want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live. So glad that you're here with us today in digital land. And uh, we have hundreds of people who do that on a regular basis. And just so excited and glad that you're here. Hey, if you are on Facebook, will you do me a favor? Take out your phone and check in and let people know that you are here. Um, you can do that right in your status area and just hit check in. You can tag our church. And a lot of times we've seen people People actually get connected to our church through a check-in. And so you'll be sitting in here. You'll t- let people know you're at church. And then one of the friends, we've actually heard this many times, his friends will text and be like, I wanted to try that church out. We saw a banner. You know, we got a postcard and we want to go check it out with you. Can we go together? And then you all have tacos after. So that's the goal. And so uh, is it the goal to have tacos for my life? Yes. And so I um, uh, highly encourage you to do that. Uh, make sure you are a part. Hey, I wanted to celebrate something with you guys just real quick because man, I like to do this just from time to time just to let everybody know kind of where we are who we are as a church and what we're doing. I just wanted to celebrate with you because this is not my victory. This is our victory. Last weekend, we had uh, in total 633 people come to our church last weekend. And come on, give yourselves a hand clap. And uh, we don't always share our numbers or report our numbers or anything like that. It's not about numbers in terms of just, hey, how big can we get? But I'm telling you, numbers matter to God. There's a whole book in the Bible titled Numbers, just so you know. And it matters to God because every number means a soul. Every soul matters to God. And so we care about whether or not we're reaching our community. We're only a year, a little bit over a year old. And to see God just move through this community that way can only be a test of his goodness. And you're going to find out today, I ain't that great of a preacher, so it can't be me. And I'm telling you, like, be, let's, let's, I, the reason I want to share that with you, one, is to celebrate, but two, let's be thankful. Let's make sure that we turn our eyes to God. Let's make sure that we honor God and what he's doing inside of our church and what God's really doing inside of our community to help the broken, to help the hurting, and to get reach people and to build lives for his kingdom. So that's a celebration to what you guys are doing. That's a brand new record that we hit, and so I'm just so proud of you, so uh, honored to be uh, your pastor inside of this church. So we're starting a brand new series today called Who Am I? Everybody say, Who Am I? And uh, the reason we're doing that is because, you know, as a pastor, I've been in ministry for almost 20 years, and honestly, it's amazing how many times I get asked this question, who am I? Questions about identity, questions about who you are, not just in Christ, but who you are in the world. And how many of y'all know that sometimes some of the biggest issues we come from and some of the biggest issues we have start really with the genesis of our identity. We don't know who we are, and when we don't know who we are, we don't know how to act. And so because of that, man, we can get ourselves into some major trouble. But the funny thing is, is God has a whole lot to say in his word in the Bible about who we are. And so um, the reason we're doing this series, one, is we want to talk about that. We want to talk about who God, who we are in Christ. My pastor, who's Jeff Little, he's a pastor at a church in Milestone in Dallas, Texas. And uh, he's going to be here in a few weeks. He's going to help preach one of these messages. And uh, he wrote a book called Who Am I? And uh, we're, we're doing this six-week series, and it's an all-church campaign. So your kids are being taught, who am I? How many all know it would have been great to know when you were a kid exactly who you are in Christ. Because when you're rooted in Christ right at the beginning, come on, you make some better decisions when you know you're in God. And so your kids are being taught that, our teenagers are being taught that, and our small groups on Wednesday night, and we're going to be learning that for the next six weeks. So my encouragement to you, get the book, okay? Get the book so you can read about it and join along in the journey with us. Secondly, get into a small group, because we actually, at the end of service, you can walk right down and get into a small group at one of our group booths over there. You can see the map of wherever 
nobody is. You can find any one of the days of the week except for Sunday. And uh, you can actually, even at the end, we'll give you a number to text. You can go right to your phone and filter all it out any day of the week. We have men's groups and women's groups and all that stuff. Do that for me. Would you get into a group? Take a step of faith, especially if you've never been in a group. I'm telling you, community will change your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in the book of Exodus chapter number three, Exodus chapter number three. If you don't know where that is in the Bible, it's kind of towards the beginning of the Bible. The Bible starts Genesis and then Exodus. So it's pretty easy to find. You can find it right there. If not, we'll put it up on the screens. But before we read that, I want to um, talk to you, give you some context. This story today is uh, the primary character's name is Moses. Now that is the Moses that most of us might know about, or maybe you saw in a movie, or maybe you've heard about. And Moses is most famously known for bringing the children of Israel or God's people out of slavery from the Egyptians. Now, what we don't know and what sometimes we don't know about his story is that it took him a while to get there. Uh, he was not born as an Egyptian, but he was raised in an Egyptian home. And some of you might know the story about this, but he, he was, uh, he, he, when he was born at that time, Pharaoh was trying to kill all of the boys, the male sons in that area. So his mom puts him in a basket, floats him down the river. And honestly, he gets, he, he has the great favor of God to be bound by uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. And so she raises him in the palace. And so he's Hebrew born, but he's, a, he's actually raised by Egyptians. So he kind of knows both cultures. And one day he sees an Egyptian abusing one of his blood brothers, one of his Hebrew people who are enslaved. And he's, he actually kills that Egyptian when he gets caught. He runs, goes to the backside of a mountain, lives there a whole new, brand new life, thought he got away from it. And then God asks him to do something that he feels unqualified for. Uh, doesn't feel like he measures up for, and we get into Exodus, Exodus chapter number three, right at this time where he's having the conversation with God. So everybody with me? Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. I mean, I like it that you want to know what's going on before the pastor just reads the scripture, right? Come on. We all know where we're at. So now we know, and uh, that's where we're going to be. So Exodus chapter three, verse 10 says, so now go. Everybody say, go. Come on. Like you got Red Bull in you. Say, go. All right, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And he goes on to say, but Moses said to God, who am I? Like, God, you, 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 yeah, have you ever had a conversation with God where you're like, you got it wrong? We do that a lot, right? God asks us to do something or maybe he gives you a vision for something. And then that fear, that insecurity, that, hmm, this doesn't feel right creeps up. And then you start doing what Moses starts doing, trying to convince God he got it all wrong. This is what he does with him. He says that I should go, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring out the Israelites? I ain't nobody. In fact, if I go back, they're going to recognize who I was. I'm not just nobody. I'm somebody in the negative category. Like, you got it all wrong, God. And he goes on. God said, I'll be with you. Like, I'll be with you. I'm going with you. You're not doing this alone. And this will be the sign that, to, uh, to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you worship God on this mountain. He goes on to say, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of our father sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Like, who is it? What, what am I going to tell him? Who am I going to say that sent me to them? And he says in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. I mean, that's just like baller status. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even have to name. He just, who, it's like, you said, like if I told you, like, hey, go over there and tell him, tell him, tell him just somebody sent you. The somebody. He's like, I am sent you. It is what you are to say to these Israelites. I am has sent me. And he goes on from verse 13, verse 14 in chapter 3 to chapter 4, verse 10, where if you go back and read it in your studies, I'm not going to read it for you. You need to go back and read it for yourself if you can. But God spends time patiently walking Moses through his insecurity, trying to convince him, you can do it. Now, I hear a lot of people sometimes like, God's mad, God's mean. I'm just telling you, read the Bible. God's pretty patient with humans who don't seem to get it. 
To people who are like trying to like he he that's patience when the creator has to have a conversation with the created to do something the creator clearly knows is right. You and I kind of get a little bit of this if you have kids. Because I'll ask my kids to do something sometimes. Come on, y'all know. And then you'll say something. They're like, I can't do that. You know that they can. And you're like, why are we having this conversation? Now, I'm not God, so I don't have his patience. You know, I lose it a little bit. But God has patience with Moses. And he goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 10, I'll pick it up, kind of gets towards the end. Because Moses, you would think Moses gets it. And he says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. Because you're not understanding, because God's like trying to tell him he can do this, and you're going to do this, and this is going to happen, and there's going to be signs and wonders, and it's going to be amazing, and I'm telling you, just trust me. And Moses goes, but wait. He says, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since I've spoken to, you, to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. So I feel like, I feel like Moses goes, I don't know what I'm doing. And if you don't know what that means, I don't know what I'm doing. Let me give you an example. I can't speak, because God, you don't get it. And God goes, wait a minute, who, I like how God reacts a little bit. This is kind of like my parenting style. You know, he's kind of like, who gave the, the human beings their mouth? Who makes the deaf mute or deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Isn't it me? I, just so you know, anytime God ever asks a question in the Bible, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, right? He's trying to get you to know the answer. He's saying, I'm not dumb, Moses. I know what I've asked you to do. And he goes on. He says, now go. Everybody say go. go. Yeah, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He goes, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to do what I need. And then he, he says, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. I still don't get it. Please send someone else. The, the, the title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is who am I? Who am I? Who am I when I don't think I can measure up? When I don't measure up? And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I love you, God. Lord, I'm honored you're here. You're in this place. Your word says where two or three are gathered, you are in their midst. You're here. And so although I prepared a message, God, you have a message for each and one of us. I pray that we walk out of here different, changed, grow to know who we are in you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever been asked to do something you felt unqualified to do? Have you... Have you have you ever felt like you just, in the moment when you attempted something, you felt like you didn't measure up? I mean, just me. Like, all of life seems to have given many of us these moments where we feel like we're not quite, we don't, I don't understand. In fact, this story with Moses so resonates with me. I have these conversations with God all the time. Like, God, why did you ask me to do this? I, I, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel like I measure up. In fact, when I look at most other people, I don't feel like I measure up. I, I, I don't understand. I, I didn't feel like I was qualified or measured up when I got a girlfriend and I convinced her to be my girlfriend. Somehow she said yes, but I'm not qualified for this. Then I got her and convinced her to marry me. How that happened is a miracle, but I don't feel qualified. I feel like I'm, I might mess this thing up. Then, miraculously, out of nowhere, I have a kid. We have children. And I didn't just have one. I had two. I said, Lord, you know, I'm not qualified for this, and you gave me two of them. What's going on? I'm slow to speak. I'm not eloquent. Hello? 
you got it wrong. Clearly. I, when I got into ministry, I never felt qualified to be in ministry. I was in the youth ministry, leading the youth ministry. I'm like, God, I don't understand. Send us a youth pastor. The Bible is confusing to me. How am I supposed to teach this? Then I come on staff at a church, and I feel like somehow when I get on staff, then I'll feel qualified. I felt more or less qualified. I didn't know it was possible. More insecurity. I didn't measure up. Then I went from youth pastor in 20, you know, then I'm like moving into being an executive pastor when I'm like 22. I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't lead adults. I'm barely an adult myself. I don't know what's going on. God, I'm not qualified for this. Then I become a pastor, and I'm like at staff, and I'm, I don't understand that. Then I get to a point where God asked me to plant a church. Me and my wife were planting a church, and we're like, what? What? Go, oh, yeah, and by the way, go to a city you don't know with nobody that you don't know, and just hope, you know, I, don't worry, it'll work out. Okay, God, I'm going to need some guarantees. You ever do that? Negotiate with God? Give me a sign. That's what the guarantee, by the way, that's our spiritual word for guarantees. God, show me a sign. You don't want a sign. You want a guarantee. You want to be able to do without faith. The last time I checked, it doesn't work like that. But in all parts of my life, I've just never been qualified. I remember one time I was uh, in high school, and I was about to go into college. And in high school, I, was, I worked for Finish Line, a shoe store. And I'm telling you, I was awesome. I was terrible. I was, anyway, okay, it was bad. It was, it was not good. And so I, I felt like I needed to graduate into a new field of work, you know. So my new field of work was going to go into the food and beverage industry because, well, that's what you do. And so I got into college, and right when I got into college, I started a new job at a place called Red Robin. How many of y'all like Red Robin? Come on. Like, that's just good. Burgers, steak fries. I, anytime you say unlimited steak fries, there's really nothing bad that can happen. And, uh, and so I got on there. Y'all know the Red Robin uh, theme song? Y'all know it. You don't even know you know it. Red Robin. Yeah, you're welcome. So anyway... Everybody's going to go to Red Robin. Y'all need, they're going to, anyway, so, so I, got, I get on, and, and I started at Red Robin as an expediter, which means I just checked the food, made sure it was right to the ticket order. When we were opening up a new store, my dad was actually part of the construction um, senior management to actually create these stores, and he got me an interview with the district manager at the new store so that I could become a server. I could take my next step in the Red Robin industry because clearly I was on my way climbing the corporate ladder. I was going to run Red Robin one day, and so uh, my dad gives me this interview, and so he, I'm going to become a server. That's my next step. He's going to become a server. So the district manager says, look, we're going to train you. You're going to be a server. You're going to know what you're doing, and it's going to be great, and I'm like, are you sure? Because I've never been a server in my life, and he was like, no, you're going to do great. It's going to be great. We're going to do a soft launch, and you're going to see that you're going to do awesome. You all know what a soft launch is? The doors aren't really open, but they invite friends and family, all the people you can mess up the order from, right? Because it's free. So they invite everybody and including the district managers, their wives, the regional managers, like part owners. And guess who got stuck serving that table? Yours truly. So my first time serving at ever in any restaurant in any moment was in front of all of these really highly really important people. And so they order their food and I get all their orders. My like, hi, my name's Aaron. I'm work for Red Robin. So glad you guys are here. Why can't I take your order? And so this lady, this uh, uh, wife of one of the district managers, she was like one of the major head regional managers. She goes, you know what? I've just had already a long day. Can you give me a strawberry shake as fast as you possibly can? I'm like, no problem. I'm going to really impress this lady. This lady, if I can impress this lady, then it's server, then it's manager, then I'm owning Red Robin one day. I'm just telling you, I had it all planned out. And so I go, no problem. So I run, I order 
order the, the shake from the bar. And what was cool about Red Robin, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to put it, the shake in the big shake glass, and then they'd give you the leftover in the metal cup. How many of y'all like the leftover in the metal cup? You're like, I was double for my trouble. I'm just so happy. So I'm like, yes. And so I get it on the tray. Now, again, I had never served before, and so I had, this is the first time I was going to be balancing a shake on a serving tray that seemed to get smaller as I walked with it. And so I get it on the tray and I'm like, I got this. I'm kind of, I can balance this. And as I started walking, gravity became very real. And I got closer and closer to the table and I see her and her eyes light up. Have you ever brought a gift to someone and they're just like, you're my new best friend. And I walk up to her and she goes, is that my shake? I said, absolutely. I walk around her, right? I'm walking around her. One of the guys gets my attention, asks me a question. I look over, lose balance of the shake and the shake falls off the tray. And I wish I could tell you it fell off to the tray onto the ground. That would have been better. I wish I could tell you that the shake fell off my tray and fell onto the table. That would have been better. I actually wish that the shake would have fallen off of the tray and onto like the district manager's shirt. It that would have been better. It fell off my tray onto the district manager's wife's hair on her head down her whole body. Then, of course, to make matters worse, the extra, everybody say extra, the extra decides to join his buddy who had just jumped off the tray and jump onto her hair and falls right onto her hair. That falls onto her hair. At this point, she's now screaming. The whole restaurant is going, what's going on? She kicks the chair away. The district manager looks at me like, what are you doing? She looks in my eyes, and if you've ever done anything to somebody like that where you don't, there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say. She goes, what? why would you? I don't understand. Why would you do that? And I looked at her and I said, I, 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 I don't know. So I did what everybody in here would probably do. I ran and got out of there. I ran to the back and I kind of got to the corner and I started hyperventilating. The district manager comes around the corner and he's like, what were you doing? I said, I told you. I I'm told you I had, a, I had a conversation. I'm not qualified for this. And, uh, well, needless to say, I went back to becoming an expediter. I did not make it past my, my one and only day as a server, one and only table. Everybody say, aw. She didn't care. She was mad. <laughs> she wasn't on. But isn't that funny about how life is? Like, so many parts of life where you and I step into something that you feel like you're not qualified for or you feel like you don't measure up. Ladies in here, you might be in here and you feel like, man, and especially with the advent of social media, you see now every place of your life that you are not measuring up. Have you noticed that? Like you feel like you did, you got a win or you did something really good. I know like ladies, so like some of you like you want, you, you ever seen HGTV? Your home should look like HGTV. Why does your house look like that? There's something on the ground. Have you noticed that those shows never show when the kids toys are everywhere? They never show when she didn't wash the dishes. They didn't show her when she didn't have makeup on. They didn't show her when she just threw in like some, come on, some like leftover macaroni and cheese and told the kids, you better make it one night because I ain't making dinner tonight. You got to have chef-inspired meals. You got to, your kids better be on the honor roll. Your kids eating paste, right? Or, and, and you got to be fashionable at the same time. Make sure you look good. Dads, come on, you out by out here, you, you might feel like you don't measure up because you look at your life and your friends and maybe you feel like, man, I didn't get the promotion or the raise. I don't make enough money. I don't go on vacations better enough. My house is not good enough for them. I now don't need, I got to leave my home. They got to leave my home. Pastor told me I got to read to my kids at night. That's crazy. I can barely, I want to put them to bed at night. I want them to go to sleep at night. I'm not going to read them the Bible. But I got to do that to stay, you know, ahead of the thing. Or And, and I got to be fit. Man, you better make sure you got that six-pack and get to the gym early and get that CrossFit, get that swole on. Come on. Because if you're not, 
You, you don't measure up. Or you could be, man, maybe you're a young adult in here. You're looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Your friends keep getting married and you don't. You, you didn't get into the college you wanted. Your friend did. You, got, you didn't get into the career you wanted. Now you're, you're kind of stuck at the lower end of the, of the totem pole. Maybe you're an empty nester in here and you're thinking now about legacy. You're thinking about what am I going to, did my life even matter? As I look at my other life, I'm about to retire. My other friends are retiring. But look, it doesn't matter any aspect of your life. It all gives us the ability to go, man, I don't measure up. I don't seem to be good enough. I'm highly insecure. And like Moses, you and I have two options typically when we respond to our insecurities most people respond in two ways. The first way is through pride. You say things kind of like this. You say, I'll show you. You feel insecure. You start feeling like you're not going to measure up. And then you just start, something in you just gets, all right, I'm going to show them all. I'm going to show them all. I'm going to fake it till I make it. Or it could be, I'll be the best. Like, I might not be the best around, but I'm going to be the best. Anyway, I'm telling you, I'm not, but you're really insecure and your pride rises up. Or you say, I don't need help. Somebody actually wants to help you, can help you, should help you, and you, don't ref- you refuse it. And you think it's like, oh, no, you're, they're being, I'm being strong. No, no, you're being prideful because you won't take help. Or you're secure in the other, instead of being prideful, you might move into a rejection. Maybe there's a rejection issue that you deal with. Maybe now instead of feeling prideful, you're like Moses, where you feel like, man, I'm not good enough. God asked you to do something, and like Moses, you go, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I, 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 nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. And before you know it, you're in a corner in your room wondering why the world hates you when it was only really one bad moment. But you, you feel rejected, and hurt. And the Bible, what I love about it is it teaches us the best ways to live our secure life. So what do you do when you feel like you don't measure up? I'm so glad you asked. That's what we're going to spend the rest of our time today talking about. I'm going to give you four ways to live more securely. Four ways to live more securely under God and what the Bible has to say about us. What happens? What do you do when you feel like, who am I when I don't measure up? Number one is this, is don't put your security in anything that can't sustain it. Oftentimes, those who are, are in our lives, we, we, we allow good things to become God things, and those good things can't be God, so because they can't be God, whenever they fall, we fall. I'll give you an example. Some of us in here, we have put our, our, our security and our identity in a relationship. So it could be a romantic relationship. So when you lose that guy or when you lose that girl, you all of a sudden now fall into utter turmoil because they are no longer there. And because they are no longer there, you place your identity and security in them. And now you're a mess. It could be a friendship. It could be a relationship in your family. It could be a relationship in your job. It could be a relationship with just your kids. I mean, whatever it is, you placed an ir- you, you, you place them in an improper fashion in your life. And now because when they fall and when that fell over, you fell over. Maybe it's your career in here. Maybe for some of you in here, you've really built your whole life on climbing the corporate ladder and getting to where you need to get to. And when you didn't get that promotion and the guy who is the cousin of the uncle of the boss got it, and then you didn't, it didn't work out like you planned. And then you come home and you take it out on the family. Come on. Yeah. That's never happened to anybody in here. Other churches, I get it. But I'm just saying, you, you, put, your something, your, you put your security in something, or money. What if, what, you know, have you ever done this where you go to your bank account, you know, and, and maybe you, you log in with your phone. And have you ever logged in on your bank account and you're looking at it and you, you, it, it, you hit login, it loads and you go, where did my money go? Anybody? Don't leave me alone up here. Like, yes, right? So that happens all the time. You wonder what, and it doesn't matter how much money you have, you still wonder where it went. 
And when you realize and you start seeing that bank account go down, something inside of you starts to feel insecure. Come on. Or maybe you go to the bank still and you get the little paper that nobody can read and you're still trying to figure it out and you still, come on, you put your security in something that can't sustain it. And when you do that, come on, when it falls, you fall. Jeremiah chapter 17 has a great, there's a great story or a great verse inside the Old Testament. He says this, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, whose security is in him, when he can stand in him, not in the things of the world, not in the created, into the creator, Right? And he says, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, it leaves are, its leaves are always green and has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now, you need to understand this. This does not mean that when you stand with God, heat doesn't come and drought doesn't come. It just means that when it does, you don't have to fall over because your, your roots are in him. One time I was walking across a river. We were camping with my son. He was a little. And he, you ever have a kid that's super uh, independent? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like the independent kid. You can't teach them anything. They know everything. They're already old. They've been around. Dad, I know what I'm doing. And so I walk out. I'm like, son, you want to walk out with me? And, and he goes, I got it. I got it. He was like four. I got it. I got it. I said, okay. So I walk out. And the water's moving. Stuff's moving. Life is moving. Things are moving. Faster than he anticipated. He steps in. And what happens? He falls over. Now, me, like a good dad, godly dad, father figure, you know, to most people, you know, I read the Bible. I laughed. It's funny. But then I, I went over. Come on, dads, you know how sometimes you got to have some fun. <laughs> so anyway, so I walk over and I pick him up. I said, are you okay? And he goes, yeah. I go, hold my hand so we can cross the river together. We're trying to get to the other side. He says, okay. We take one step. He does the, the kid thing. Yanks his hand out of my hand. Takes a step. What do you think happens? Falls over. Oh, okay. I pick him back up. I said, son, will you just hold my hand so we can get across the river? I know you can do it. I get it. Take another step. He yanks his hand out. He falls over. I finally look. I look at Like, I'm in the river, in my knees, in the river. I'm getting soaked. Like, looking at his eyes. Son, look, I know you're awesome. You can do anything you put your mind to. But right now, just hold daddy's hand so you don't fall. When we get a car, you can run, walk, do whatever you want. I know you can do it, but just, you're, you're, I can help you if you let me. Now, how many of us in life, we walk with God, we're good, and then we, we I got this, God. Like, God, I'm good, I'm good, I got, I got this, I got this. And you, you, you start to put your security in what you can do, and money, and career, and I got the right shoes on, and I'm really strong, God, you don't even know. I've been working out, and everything is great, and I'm just standing, and then all of a sudden, you step into the waters of life, and you fall over, and God's going like, I could help you, just hold on to me, just be rooted in me. If you just, do, just stay close to me, I can sustain it. Last time I checked my Bible, God doesn't fall over. And if he doesn't fall over, and I'm holding on to him, then by definition, I'm not a scholar. I'm definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed. But if he doesn't fall over and I'm holding on to him, then that means I won't. Come on. Then I means I won't fall over. If we're planted in God, he stands, we stand. Amen. Second one is this. Lean into your weakness to leverage more of God's strength. Lean into your weakness to leverage more of God's strength. How do we, we're talking about how do, what do we do? Who am I when I feel like we don't measure up? We need to lean into our weakness to leverage more of God's strength. Now, what's interesting about the world and the culture, culture will tell you when you're weak, be strong. In fact, that's the self-help world. The $50 billion self-help industry is collapsing in on itself, just so you know. And here's why. It's not that it can't give you good stuff. In fact, most of that stuff's from the Bible. 
But what the self-help thing does is it gets you up off the ground. The problem is it can't keep you off the ground. It can't give you the ability to step into your purpose. And so although it has some good things, it's not God things. And so oftentimes really what self-help really means, self-help equals be strong. So if you're going through something, you're on the ground, you're in the water, be strong. You should be strong. Yes, you can do it. Yay. You're amazing. <laughs> the problem is, can we be honest? Can we be honest? Let's be honest. I'm just telling you, let's be honest. Can we be honest? You can't do it. You already know that. You have proven to you over and over and over again, you're not good enough. You can't do it. You're not going to make it. It's like an encouraging word with Pastor Aaron today. What'd you learn? I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong. But it's true. Like, can we just be honest with ourselves and stop lying? Culture is lying to you and to me that you are enough. You're not. Strength for a Christian is leaning into our weakness so that God can be strong through us. An improper definition of the Christian life is to be strong. The proper de- I'll give it to you. It's in Ephesians. I'm going to give it to you. This is, this, is, this is the proper definition. Finally, by the way, if an author ever writes finally, that's important. Be strong, but it doesn't stop there. He says, he doesn't just say, hey, finally, tough it out. You're strong. You can do it. He doesn't say that. He says, be strong in the, in the Lord and his mighty power. He says, you can do it with God. You can do it with God. We got to, for, don't forget the with God part. You have to lean into your weakness. There's going to be some areas of your life that you're just not good at and you might not make it and that's okay. And so when insecurity and immeasurability rises up into you, you go, that's where I need God. That's where I need God. You have judged God. You have judged. Bible says in our weakness, God is made strong. It's not in our weak. The improper definition of that is to say in our weakness, then God shows how strong he is because you're so weak. That's not what that means. He says in our weakness, when we learn how to lean into it and leverage God's strength, it just means that we don't have to pretend. We don't have to fake it. You can do it. No, I can't. I can do it with God. So anytime you go to a self-help seminar and they walk out and they start screaming and the music's pumping and fire's going off and lasers are going everywhere, just go, when he says, be strong, say, in the Lord. That's more biblical. Number three, uh, submit your self-talking thoughts to the truth of God's word. I got to hurry. Romans chapter 12 says this, says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now that is a word for somebody in here. We just talked about it. You are your biggest critic and your biggest cheerleader. So you think you're better than you are. Come on, right? We're honest. Let's be honest. We think we're better than we are, and we think we're worse than we are too. And so if you're not in control of your thoughts, if you don't have a sober mind, you'll never have a, a, a blessed life having a cursed thought life. In fact, the big battle for our identity starts in our little thoughts. It's in the little things. And it starts with our self-talk. I was watching um, last week, we were, you know, the Super Bowl was on in football, and we were, I was watching a commentator, and he was saying, he's like, you know, when you're in college, there's like certain people who are good, and they're going to make it to the pros, but it's a small percentage. 
And those good people can outrun linemen and they can run everywhere and they're faster and stronger and smarter and they don't have to do the little things. They can actually just kind of get away with it. They can just do whatever they want to do. They don't have to do the little things. They can just get away with their talent. But when you go on to try to do big things in that, that sport, come on, this is speaking to somebody. Like if, you, if you're trying to just do the little things in your life, you really don't need to do the little things right. But when you step into your purpose, come on, how many business owners am I talking to? How many people who have really climbed that ladder? How many people have really done something significant for life? Have you noticed the higher you go, the harder it gets? And we think it's the opposite. We think, well, the better, the higher I go. I've talked to so many people like, I'm a manager now. I really honestly would rather go back down and be the normal person again. But the higher you go, the, in fact, my old p- preacher used to do this. I don't know if you all grew up in a church like this. He used to shuck and jive. We call him shucking and jive. And this is kind of, you know, hey, hey, I, you know, you do that kind of thing. And uh, he used to have this statement. It was good. It's a good statement. It's a true statement. He goes, uh, you know, uh, if you go to a new level, ha you have a new devil. That's what he used to say, right? Y'all know what I'm Anybody grow up like that? Just me. Okay, thank you. So anyway, so I guess what he used to say. And what he was saying was, it's like the higher you get, the harder it gets. The opposition gets tougher. And in football, the guy was saying, he's saying, you got to do the little things right. The people who are successful, especially quarterbacks, do the little things right. They get in early. They stay late. They study the plays. They know the defense because you can't outrun your, your defense anymore. You can't just get away with your talent. You're trying to win the Super Bowl. You're trying to do big things that small amounts of people do. And if you're going to do that, you got to do the little things right. And I'm just telling you, it starts with your thoughts. You need to be careful with how you talk to yourself. Be careful with your negativity. Be careful with you trying to get it. I found this out about myself. Sometimes I'll tell a joke, a negative thing about me to get a laugh. And what I realize is that when I say that negative thing about me to get a laugh, it might get a laugh, but it makes me sad. (laughs) And maybe some of y'all are like that. So I'll sacrifice my identity for a laugh, but that's not a good trade, is it? So be careful that we're not talking to ourselves in a negative fashion. And I'm ending with this. I'm done. I'm done now. Y'all can make the appointment for Olive Garden. (laughs) Last one is this. Focus more on what God's doing in you than what others are saying or thinking about you. Earlier in the story, we talked about Moses talking to God, and he was speaking to God, trying to convince God that he had made a mistake. And in Hebrews, which is a book of the Bible in the New Testament, there's a book of the Bible in the New Testament who lists, they call it the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. Great men of God who believe God was who he said he was and could do what he said he could do. And they list Moses, and they give a reason why they list Moses. Now, I don't know if you are me, but I want to be on the Hall of Faith somewhere, and God, that'd be nice, right? Like, God recognized me, like Aaron did something great. Not because he was great, because he trusted me. And this is what it says in Hebrews. It says this, it says, he said, he thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ. This is why we list him. This is why they made the movie, okay? Then to know to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. He was looking at his purpose, and he's saying, okay, I, I got to step out and step into faith. I got to care more about what matters to God than what matters to other people. And you're never going to do something great for God if you're concerned too much with what other people think. Insecurity rises up in us when we think about other people's thoughts without thinking about what God thinks. 
my son, Kellen, was told me one day after he sits in the front row over here and, and he was um, he was telling me, he goes, Dad, after one of my messages, he goes, Dad, that was a really good speech, Dad. Good talk. And I said, thanks, son. And he goes, uh, he goes, yeah. He goes, I don't know if I could ever do something like that. That, I don't know. I'm not, I can never do that. I would be too scared. I could not do it. I would be too worried about what other people think. And I'm like, teaching moment. I said, son, you can do it. You're awesome. You're amazing. You can do that if you want to do that. Yes. With God's help, you could do it. And he goes, oh, man, I'd just be worried about what everybody thinks. I said, don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Let them think what they're going to think. So then the next week came on Sunday. I'm sitting on that chair. I'm about to walk up. And there it was. God, what if, what if I say something wrong and they don't like me? And what if I, I say the wrong scripture? Or what if I just do something bad? Or if I, what if that joke doesn't hit? Or maybe I say something kind of silly. Or maybe my jacket doesn't look right and my hair is kind of crazy. And then they start saying stuff to me on Facebook. What if they say something on Facebook and then the people leave and then nobody comes here and then I got to go back to Red Robin and serve <laughs> ice cream shakes on people. You see how it happens, right? And then my wife, I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Like, she's so good at this. I don't know if she has this eighth sense. She puts her hand on my leg, and I just had to go, stop, 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 stop. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you all think. I love you. I care for you. I want you to get something from the message, but more importantly, I care about God's purpose in my life. And if I could just speak the truths of the Bible, then it'll be all good. I said, nope, God, it matters what you do. And I took a step of faith, and I walked up on the platform. In order for you to do great things, you're going to have to take a step past your insecurity with a step of faith. But you can't do that unless you, 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 you put your security in the things that can sustain it, like God. You can't do that if you, if you don't lean into your weakness and leverage more of God's strength. You can't do that if you, submit, if you don't submit your self-talk and thoughts to the truth of words God. You, you, you can't do that. You have to focus on what God's doing through you. And if you do that, I promise you, I promise you, you could be listed in the halls of faith because you trusted God to do big things. That's my prayer for you today. Who are you when you feel like you don't measure up? You are in Christ. Be strong in God.